Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Okay, you guys, um, I'm so overwhelmed, but like in the best possible way, because today is just going to be a housewives overload, like a shitstorm of housewives. Um, in addition to all of the recapping that I have to do, you know, I have two episodes of Potomac. I've got the Beverly Hills uh, reunion part one. We've got last week's episode of Salt Lake City. That's four episodes to unpack. But not only that, we've also got BravoCon. Three full days of an absolute Bravo shit show mayhem, chaos, everything that you could possibly want, everything that you could possibly fear, everything that you could never imagine in your wildest dreams happening over the course of one weekend in New York City, like hundreds of Bravo Lebs. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about. So let's just get into it, shall we? Because I don't know, I, I don't have three hours to kill. Do you? Probably not. So <laughs> let's just like power through. All right. Okay, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So the ladies are in Scottsdale, and they're revealing to each other what they each released during their healing ceremony. You know, besides cacao farts. Whitney reveals to the group that she was abused as a child, and Heather seems to be in utter shock. At first, she almost seems like she's in disbelief, like she's not really buying it. But as Whitney goes on, you can almost see Heather, like, swallow this information down and accept it. I'm freaking out, she says. And of course, as we know, Whitney's family is Heather's family, so this is a lot different for Heather to hear than it is for Lisa, Jen, or Meredith. Whitney quickly diverts the conversation away from her trauma and over to Meredith and Lisa's trauma, and Lisa apologizes for her poor choice of words. But Meredith snaps back and is like, you're sorry for your choice of words, but not for the things you said? But like, aren't the words that she chose the things that she said? I don't know. But Meredith insists that everything Lisa says is made up. A producer asks Lisa in confessional whether or not she made this stuff up, and she says point blank, no. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the rumors themselves aren't made up. It simply means that Lisa isn't the one who made them up. After all, remember last season how many times Jen Shaw hinted at these rumors about Meredith? Clearly, these things were already floating around. Meredith and Lisa continue to go at it, when Meredith can get a word in. As she says, Lisa's an interrupter, and it is not polite. She does have such a patronizing vibe, though, that Meredith marks. Mother Meredith. Meredith tells Lisa that she needs to get help, taking a page out of the Lisa Rinna playbook here. It's again so patronizing. It's so condescending. Telling someone they need help? I mean, don't we all, babe? Lisa says that she's not going to continue to slit her wrists for everyone. A very descriptive analogy that sets Meredith off because someone in her family tried to kill themselves. I don't think Lisa meant this as a dig whatsoever, but especially after the cancer comments on Beverly Hills recently, I just feel like we should avoid making comments like this in general. Treat the audience like we're Teresa Judice. Avoid analogies around us. Meredith finally accepts Lisa's apology, but like, barely. You can tell she still hates the bitch. The next day, Heather and Meredith sit down so Heather can tell Meredith to stop being a condescending superior bitch, all while Meredith is mid-glam looking like she's in Lisa Vanderpump cosplay, the ultimate superior bitch. But for real, I do agree with Heather's point that Meredith has shown a lot more grace and forgiveness to some people who have done far worse to her than Lisa, i.e. Jen Shaw. And ain't that the truth? Though I will say, she was much closer with Lisa, at least seemingly, so maybe the wounds cut deeper? I don't know, but either way, Meredith is not making it easy for Lisa to apologize to her. 
The ladies hop on a party bike, which honestly seems like a lot of work. Like, I don't enjoy exercising whilst drinking, TBH. But at least Meredith and Lisa both got a shower out of it. A wine shower, but a shower nonetheless. Then the ladies head to the rodeo. So here in Arizona, the rodeo is definitely a thing. In fact, growing up, we got two days off of school at the end of February every year called rodeo break because, you guessed it, the rodeo came to town. Now, no one actually took those two days to go to the rodeo. We usually went to Disneyland, but still. So while at the rodeo, Meredith tries to convince Whitney and Jen, and herself, frankly, that what she did was different than what Lisa did, because she wasn't spreading rumors, she was just saying very loose-ended things that allowed people to fill in the blanks and spread rumors. <laughs> like Whitney says, no matter how you spin it, you're talking shit. And like Heather said, Meredith is being a superior condescending bitch, and this proves it. If you're gonna go low and get down and dirty slinging mud with Lisa, you can't act like you're above it. You just, you can't. So that night, Jen hosts the Garbage Whore Lingerie Party. Sounds like a Tuesday night in college to me. While outside grilling for the other women, in their underwear, obviously, Whitney, Jen, and Meredith compare notes about the Lisa rumors, namely where they came from and who brought them up. Whitney is clearly feeling like she's stuck in the middle, and now that she and Lisa have bonded, she is not okay with it, so she needs to lay it all out on the table. I mean, on one hand, I think Whitney's being messy, totally. But on the other hand, thank you, Whitney. <laughs> So she storms inside and she screams how she's done with the bullshit. Okay, so like in my humble opinion, there are two ways to be done with bullshit. You can disengage, not to quote Meredith Marks, but truly you could just shut your mouth and leave it all alone, or you could take everything and throw it all out there and see what the hell happens. Whitney clearly chose option number two. So Whitney explains all the things Meredith has been saying about Lisa, including that she slept with a man for Vita Tequila placements and or jazz tickets. Um, and I'm not talking about, like, smooth jazz. I'm talking about basketball. Like, who even wants that? Lisa goes from acting like she has no clue who Whitney's talking about, to being shocked and laughing about it, to hysterically crying. All within 10 seconds. It's a wild ride. A wild Whitney Rose ride. <laughs> Whitney and Meredith go back and forth over who said what and who said it first, but ultimately, they were both talking about it. Whitney's taking partial ownership of it, and Meredith is playing dumb. So like I said, Meredith, if you're gonna go low, you can't act like a superior bitch. You're not. Now you're just a bitch. Meanwhile, Jen Shaw's just, like, enjoying her steak. Literally, how the hell is Jen Shaw somehow avoiding all the drama? She's a genius. A criminal mastermind, honestly. Meredith, Whitney, and Heather all argue over who knew what rumors about Lisa and when they knew them, but like Lisa said, it really doesn't matter who brought them up first. Did you shut it down or did you engage? Did you hear the rumor nuggets or not? Heather vehemently denies hearing any rumors about Lisa, and Whitney calls her a liar, which immediately triggers Heather. She hulks out. We haven't seen this side of Heather often, and if I were Whitney, I'd be scared. Run, little girl. Run. All right, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So the RHOBH reunion begins with a nice little infomercial for Halloween Ends, which, okay, let's talk about that really quickly. So if you have not watched Halloween Ends yet and you plan on it, fast forward through this spoiler. So Michael Myers isn't the killer. That's right, Michael Myers is not the killer in Halloween Ends. Like, I don't know what to do with that. The whole movie is about some other kid who accidentally murders someone in the opening scene. I'm like, okay, I will give the movie some credit because the opening scene was really good in the sense that I didn't see it coming whatsoever. Um, but basically, 
this guy accidentally kills a kid that he's babysitting, and then the whole town turns on him, and then he becomes the new Michael Myers. Um, it was a really weird way to end the franchise, in my opinion. Also, Kyle Richards is in approximately four seconds of the movie. <laughs> okay, back to Beverly Hills. Right out the gate, Andy discusses the social media attacks that occurred this season. He addresses the fans and the bot attacks, and he's absolutely correct that these shows are supposed to be for entertainment, and the fans can absolutely take it too far. We've all seen it. This is what I was talking about last week in my fight with Teddy. You know, it's one thing to comment on the shows and the women and give our opinions, but it's another thing to go into their comments and attack them and call them nasty names. If you're tagging a housewife or her kids in these comments, or if you're saying these things directly to them on social media, I don't fuck with you. You know, for real. Um, if you have something nasty you want to say about the housewives, say it to me. Don't say it to them. But I did find it interesting that Andy doesn't bother to take this time to address the cast members' responsibility or liability in any of this. I'm talking specifically about the cast members who provoke the fans, flip us off, tell us we're idiots or losers. You know, there are cast members who get just as down and dirty as the trolls do. You know who you are, Lisa Rinna. Dorit's burglary is discussed, albeit briefly, as Andy can barely stay awake. But I actually thought that the most interesting part of this entire conversation was when Kyle revealed that her robbers actually contacted her recently and, like, blackmailed her into sending them money for her belongings? All of this was shocking and confusing. How did they get her number? Did she actually send them money? And did she get any of her things back? Do the police know any of this? Why we glossed right over this story is beyond me. It also isn't lost on me that, once again, Kyle can't let anyone have a moment without making it about her. Classic Kyle Richards. Crystal Millennial Minkoff was a large part of this reunion. Crystal's eating disorder comes up, and she explains how important it was not only for herself to say it out loud, but also to hopefully help others who may be experiencing similar things. Andy asks if what happened in Tahoe last season when Sutton walked in on her was that Crystal was binging and or purging, um, which honestly feels like a very prying question, but Crystal answers that no, it wasn't anything like that, but simply the fact that she was changing and she felt extremely uncomfortable being naked in front of a virtual stranger. It makes perfect sense for me, and it also makes perfect sense for Crystal to say that she felt violated in that moment. You know, it wasn't an attack on Sutton or anything Sutton did per se, it was simply a feeling that her privacy wasn't respected. Maybe a better word she could have chosen would have been exposed. She felt exposed. But either way, it still really irks me that a word that she chose was hammered down and no one really tried to understand why she felt the way she felt. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Crystal and this group. Andy brings up Erica's comments about using laxatives and not being allowed to eat a chicken tender. Erica tries to defend herself. I was raised in a dance studio, she says, as if that makes any sense. Then she says, yeah, I said it. It was wrong, but I said it. You know what Erica didn't say, though? Sorry, to Crystal. Crystal then tells Dorit that it was not okay that Dorit shared details about Crystal's eating disorder that were shared to her in confidence. Dorit seems more defensive than apologetic, which, again, is par for the course for these women when it comes to Crystal. She pretty much nailed it when she said in her confessional that her vulnerability in this group is always met with judgment. And to be honest, Dorit should be happy that Crystal's even giving her, like, something to do or say during this reunion. Andy brings up Dark Comment Gate. All right, guys, buckle up. This whole situation was such a doozy and was so frustrating for me. 
Crystal immediately begins by saying that when all of this went down last season, she had just met Sutton, and that certainly influenced how the conversations they had that weekend made her feel. You know, now, knowing Sutton for two years, she would take the conversations differently. And I think the fans can agree. We all feel differently about Sutton than we did two, three years ago. Andy looks confused and stupid and says, But in La Quinta, when you brought this up a year later, you did know Sutton better. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Crystal didn't bring it up, first of all. Garcelle did. Garcelle brought it up and said that she felt Crystal was setting Sutton up last year. So Crystal responded by explaining, It wasn't a setup. There were things that were said that were dark, and that's why she felt the way she did. It's also frustrating to me that people, including Andy, don't understand how Crystal was explaining her experience from the year prior. She wasn't still harping about Sutton's supposed dark comments. She was defending herself to Garcelle, accusing her of trying to set someone up. Then the conversation shifts to how Crystal supposedly said that there was one specific dark comment. However, in every flashback, it's really clear that Crystal said there was a lot more said that was dark. I'm sorry, but a lot more implies that it wasn't one specific thing, no? They also bring up the comment that Sutton supposedly said about having, you know, lots of people of different races in a hot tub, which Crystal also explained wasn't what she was referring to. For some reason, Crystal saying, no, it wasn't that one moment, makes them think that there was nothing that was said. I, I just don't get it. Just because it wasn't the hot tub comment doesn't mean that there wasn't anything else. Crystal explains, It was the overall conversation that made me feel the way I felt. It was the tone of the conversation, which again seems to track for me. If she said a lot more was said that was dark, doesn't that imply that the tone of the whole conversation was dark? I just... I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, maybe maybe I love Crystal too much, but I... I just... I don't get it. If someone... If someone I knew told me that they had a conversation that was really dark, I wouldn't be saying to them, well, what exact word or phrase was said to you that was by definition dark? I would understand that, like, the way we interpret conversations is subjective and not a science, and if she felt that what was said was dark, then it was. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Team Crystal, always and forever. And fuck Kyle Richards. It was also ridiculous for the ladies especially Lisa Rinna, to continue to harp on Crystal for not revealing exactly what words were said by Sutton when Rinna's been dangling the Kathy Hilton abused me carrot in front of our faces for the last three weeks. But she'll get hers. So Andy finally asks Sutton what her take on all of this is, and she pretty much says what Crystal has been saying all damn year. She understands why Crystal may have been offended, they talked about it, learned from it, and if they're okay now, then everyone else needs to be okay with it. Kyle continues to call Crystal a liar, and Crystal asks her, why do you have to spend weeks harping on someone's words rather than ask their experience? And as if Crystal wasn't getting it enough from all ends at this point, Andy brings up 14 Friendsgate. Crystal explains that she spoke to Rinna and told her that she had some friends who stopped talking to her since she started doing the show. And before she can even finish the sentence, Kyle can't help but to jump in. Literally, Crystal can't get a full sentence out without Kyle parsing her words. Did you say after you did the show, or was it before? Because some of these women auditioned to be on the show, so was it after or before? But actually, I heard it was nothing to do with the show, but I'm not going to say what it was. I hate her. First of all, Crystal said since she did the show, not before, not after. 
since, meaning because she did the show, the friendships changed. Whether it was when she auditioned, when she signed her contract, when she started filming, or when the show started airing, the cause, per Crystal, was her involvement in the show. Kyle Richards is looking for tits on an ant. Then Diana Jenkins makes her grand appearance via Zoom, and Andy gives her a chance to address the rumors we've been hearing about her and the cease and desists she's been sending. She says she's not a madam, she's done a lot of good for people, and she didn't even know Jeffrey Epstein. Sure, Jan. No, for real, we don't know if any of these things are true, and I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I still think she's an awful housewife. Andy asks her about her black content creator mishap, and Diana explains that she thought the word black was synonymous with dark, evil, etc., as in, like, black humor or the dark web, but I really don't think she helped her case at all. It was a huge mistake. A huge and offensive mistake. Diana vehemently denies being behind the bot attacks on Jax, and Garcelle says that she absolutely thought Diana was behind it at one point. You obviously have a very low opinion of me, Diana says. Yeah, Garcelle replies, along with all of America. Garcelle then reveals that Diana actually sent her a threatening text during Botgate, telling her to take her name off of Jax's post or else. And Kyle, always on the wrong side of the fight, chimes in to defend Diana. Honestly, I'm so fucking disappointed that Michael Myers didn't finish her off once and for all. I'm so sick of her shit. Diana starts screaming about how murder is murder and a pencil is a pencil. I don't fucking know what she's talking about. It's not a cease and exist, she says. It's different when a gun is pointing at you. I, I truly do not know what the fuck she's talking about at this point. It was utter nonsense. Garcelle finally looks directly into Diana's eyes, via Zoom, and begs her, Leave me alone. And, frankly, the audience is begging for the exact same thing. Diana, leave us alone. All right, bitches, the Potomac ladies are back. Let's talk about the first two episodes of the new season, shall we? The remaining OGs, Karen, Robin, Giselle, and Ashley, sit down for a picnic under the cherry blossom trees. The ladies discuss Mia's health journey and how she's been posting online, and Robin immediately says that it feels attention-seeking. And honestly, that feels like a very judgmental stance to take right out the gate. I mean, if she's pulling a Brooks Ayers, then by all means, let's call the bitch out. But I agree with Karen here. We gotta hear her out first. Like, even if just for your own sake, Robin, because if she is sick, you're gonna look like an asshole. I don't believe it's a cry for attention, Karen says, and it better not be. Mm. Ashley is single and glowing, and this clearly bugs Giselle and Robin. They have a lot of questions, and Ashley explains that she and Michael are just in different places now. She isn't drinking, she's not interested in the freaky deaky shit anymore, so they've grown apart. Ashley explains that they're still looking for a new house for her and for the kids, and that they'll buy it together under an LLC. And all of the ladies freak out over this, and they're like, that's not a true divorce! What? You can't buy a house together! But like, okay, buying a house is more of a business arrangement than anything, and if they still own and operate LLCs together, I don't see why buying a house under said LLC would be a problem. Like, if anything, it's more protection for the kids, right? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer or a realtor. I don't even have a fucking LLC, so I'm just gonna shut up now. <laughs> Candace's music career is blowing up, or so she says. I mean, Drive Back was a bop, yes, but I also don't trust her after those inflated single numbers she gave at last season's reunion. Questionable. Robin goes out to lunch with Charisse, who Robin claims is the real grand dame of Potomac. Yeah, that's gonna be a no from me, dog. 
Charisse is wondering what we're all wondering. When's the wedding, Robin? And she explains that marrying Juan is not number one on her to-do list. It's also not number two, three, four, or five, apparently. But then she talks about how she wants to get a prenup. But like, moot point if you're never gonna get married, right? Mia has officially moved to Potomac, which I feel like should have happened before she became a Potomac housewife, but I don't know. She is renting a house though, and she spent $65,000 renovating it. A rental house. Like, why aren't my tenants doing that? Wendy has a business meeting with none other than Peter Thomas. Yes, Cynthia Bailey's ex-husband, Peter Thomas, to discuss opening a Nigerian lounge. Didn't you just start a candle business? Like, I'm all for serial entrepreneurship, make that paper wherever you can, but like, aren't you exhausted? How are you doing the show, teaching, speaking engagements, a candle business, a lounge, and being a mom? I get exhausted watching three episodes of The Real Housewives to do this damn podcast. Karen has her Spring Has Sprung Taco Tuesday Celebration of Life party, and Giselle has a lot of questions for Ashley about her divorce. It's confusing her, and to make things more confusing for all of us, Ashley's having coochie cravings for Michael. Ew. Wendy tries to say hi to Giselle, and Giselle is not into it. I give this one to Wendy, though, because at least she tried to take the high road. Giselle only knows low road, though. How low can she go? The ladies see Mia for the first time, and Giselle wastes no time shading her over her health issues. She tells Mia that posting about her health seems very attention-seeking, and look at me, look at me. She really is one shady mother. How low can she go? My issue with Giselle is, like, she's shady, but she always tries to drag other people into it. It's not just like, I think it's weird, but we all think it's weird. Just speak for yourself, which honestly shouldn't be a problem because you and those chunky blonde highlights are loud. Candace says everyone was curious about Mia's health, but there's a better way to ask the question. If even Candace is saying you're being shady boots, you're being shady boots. Then Katie Rost arrives to the party, green-eyed and bald-headed, grabbing Ray's butt like she's a Michael Darby understudy. Karen announces to everyone that the Grand Dame is back, and she starts a dance party. And honestly, Karen's got moves. So does Ray. Granny and Papa can dance. So Giselle's trying to be shady once again, and she says that it's weird that Karen's having a spring party in a Mexican restaurant. But like, doesn't Mexico have spring? Does that season not exist in Mexico? Giselle is reaching for reeds at this point. Let the people enjoy their sunshine, butterflies, hummingbirds, and enchiladas. Candace discusses some of her marital struggles with Chris of late, which is likely foreshadowing for the messy mess Chris is about to find himself in. Robin tells Giselle that she has a bone to pick with her. Giselle told the ladies about whose name was on Robin's mortgage. It's interesting to me that Robin's so offended that people would be talking about her personal life, her home purchase, when they were all talking about and questioning Ashley's divorce and home purchase, and Mia's health, and Karen's restaurant choice for her party. Robin tells Giselle about Ashley telling her about Chris sliding into Ashley's DMs. Did you follow that? So Chris DM'd Ashley responding to one of her stories, telling her that she should have come to the W Hotel one night when she was out. Ashley says that something feels off about this, while Robin firmly thinks it's no big deal. And honestly, given the fact that Chris manages the bar at the W Hotel, I also think it's really no big deal that he would see a photo of one of his wife's friends out at a bar and reply and be like, you should have come to my bar instead. I think Ashley is making this into something bigger than it needs to be. Maybe it's a story for the show, or maybe she's just used to her own husband creeping on everything that breathes. But either way, I think this is a reach, and I feel bad that Chris would be put into this light for such an innocent message. And that's my opinion. 
But Giselle says that Chris also slides into her DMs, and it makes her uncomfortable because after last season's reunion, she and Chris had some sort of private conversation that made her feel weird. This also feels like a reach, and Robin says that she sees nothing wrong with it. So Giselle starts making it about how Chris was talking about Candace and maybe he was trying to see if Giselle was with it? I, I don't buy it. And all this does is make me feel like Giselle thinks very highly of herself. Chris has Candace. He's good. He's not into chunky highlights, babe. Mia explains to her friend Jacqueline that Karen texted her when she was on her way to the Spring Fling Fiesta to let her know that all of the ladies were talking about her medical condition, and Mia's confused why Karen would wait until minutes before the party to let her know the ladies were talking shit. And it's a valid question. Ashley sits down with Candace and tells her about Chris's DM, and Candace immediately understands the context, but she also understands why Ashley thought it was odd. She's choosing to believe that Ashley is not being shady. This is growth, people. We love to see it. Then, Ashley hosts a TikTok dance party, which is really just an opportunity for her to call out Giselle on her shade. Giselle says she feels like Ashley is playing with divorce, and it's not something to play around with. I think that Giselle needs to shut up. Every marriage is different, and every divorce is different. Giselle sits down with Candace and tells her that she, like Ashley, was put in a weird position with Chris. Giselle tells Candace her story and Chris talking to her in this dressing room alone after the reunion, and Candace asks, well, did he do anything weird? Did he say anything weird? And the answer to both of those questions is no. Look, I understand that intuition is a thing and someone doesn't have to say or do anything explicitly weird to make you feel uncomfortable, and I believe women, I do. I just don't believe Giselle. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Cinnamon are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Cinnamon, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay, guys, so coming up in a bit, I sat down with Giorgio Takanakis from the Giorgio Says podcast. Giorgio was at BravoCon this weekend, and I was so excited to pick his brain about all things BravoCon, who he met, who was nice, what was fun, what was awful. <laughs> so we get into all of that. But first, I wanted to go through uh, some of my favorite moments from BravoCon. Now, obviously, I was not there. 
which is very, very sad. And let me just say, um, I don't think it's too soon to make a New Year's resolution for next year. So I'm going to put this out there. 2023, I will not only be at BravoCon, but I will be hosting a panel. It is happening. I am manifesting it. I need you guys, my Blackheart Club, to manifest it. Light your prayer candles. Do voodoo. Whatever it is that you believe in. Um, let's put this out there. I I want to host a BravoCon panel, and I think I'd be really good at it. So, it's happening. But okay, let's go ahead and talk about this year's BravoCon. First and foremost, one of everyone's favorite moments from the weekend. Lisa Rinna was booed while walking on stage for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills panel. Meanwhile, after lots of rumors swirling about whether or not she would even be in attendance, BravoCon might as well have been called KathyCon. Not only did Kathy have the crowd chanting her name during Andy's Legends Ball, but she conga-lined her way through Javits Center like it was her job. And it's not, because she's only a friend of. But maybe not for long. Kathy told reporters that she would not return to The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills if the cast stayed the same. But after the not-so-welcoming response Lisa Rinna got from the fans, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Bravo execs were taking notes and thinking about mixing things up for next year in order to keep Kathy. While not much has been said about the Real Housewives of Orange County during filming this season, we did get a little bit of tea from the Orange County ladies during BravoCon. Despite rumors, Heather Dubrow is filming, thank God. And while she and Tamara have a bumpy season, they are in a good place right now, and they even kissed for a photo op. Tamara also called Heather a cool chick on the Two Teas in a Pod podcast, and she said that the two of them are like sisters. Shannon Bedore says, Are you fucking kidding me? when asked her initial response to Tamara's return to the OC, but said that they're now in a good spot. And as for the new girl, who was not in attendance, all of the ladies say that she brings it, as does Taylor Armstrong, who Heather also has some issues with over the course of the season. Vicky was also at BravoCon, and she apparently was crying all weekend because she isn't on the show anymore, and this was a really sad reminder. It also probably didn't help that Ashley Darby, Kenya Moore, and Teresa Judice gangbanged her on Watch What Happens Live. As for New Jersey, we knew going into the weekend that their panel had been split into two. Both Melissa and Teresa claimed during their respective panels that neither one of them had anything to do with it, but Andy confirmed that, yes, they did. Joe Gorga was lit all weekend, and at the end of the weekend, he and Jen Aiden got into a screaming fight outside of their hotel that resulted in Jen throwing a drink in Joe's face. So the details of this are still murky, but most people are blaming Joe Gorga after seeing a video of him cussing at Jen. And honestly, my thoughts are this. Homeboy needs to chill the fuck out and let the ladies do their thing. Like, I'm not against husbands getting involved. I'm really not. Like, there's no better moment to me than Terry Dubrow calling David Bedore a penis. But, like, at this point, Joe Gorga is more of the storyline than Melissa. And that's the problem. The Vanderpump Rules cast was there, teasing the upcoming season, and honestly, I'm so excited. Sheena was interviewed, and she was asked if she pushed Tom and Raquel together. And she says no, she just suggested it. But like, bitch, I'm the one who suggested it. Back in April, I posted that the two hooked up, and it started this whole shitstorm of rumors. Like, I was literally mentioned in page six for crying out loud. So I firmly believe that the producers, and probably Sheena, saw this rumor a la me, and took it and ran. So you're welcome, Vanderpump Rules. The Salt Lake City ladies had a panel, and it was basically like a pre-reunion. A pre-union. The ladies did not hold back, but Andy did, on giving us Jen Shaw. She wasn't invited, and according to Andy, she's no longer employed by Bravo. Yikes. She did, however, crash Tamara Judge's hotel room. With her lawyer. <laughs> you can't make this shit up, you guys. Only at BravoCon. 
So I do need to give a huge shout out or MVP award or some sort of accolade to Real Housewives of Atlanta star Drew Sedora. Obviously, the entire weekend was one big photo op, and for a lot of these women who may look a little different online than they do in person, it can be scary when other people are posting photos of you. Like, Gretchen Rossi literally did not attend because she knew people would keep her nose in photos. Just kidding, she wasn't invited, but you know what I mean. So, Drew was posting photos all weekend, and not only did she look so goddamn hot in these photos, but every single person she posed with was facetuned to perfection. Like, not overly done, literally everyone looked like an Insta model. She knows what she's doing. Honestly, we all need a friend like Drew Sedora. We got the trailer for Real Housewives of Miami and the trailer for Ultimate Girls Trip 3, so if you didn't get a chance to see those, go check them out. Miami looks tragic and Girls Trip looks hilarious, and I'm here for them both. We also met the new cast of Roni, a bunch of young girls who I know nothing about yet, so I don't know, I'll do some research and get back to you with my opinions, but for now, I am much more interested in Sonia and Luann's show about working on a testicle farm. Yes, you heard me right. Finally, wrapping up the weekend, Andy hosted one last night of Watch What Happens Live and put a few Bravo lebs on the spot with some difficult questions, one of whom being Erica Jane, who was asked which Bravo celebrity couple would be the next to break up. And what was her answer? Dorit and PK. The crowd, Andy, myself, and Heather Dubrow in the background all gasped and everyone's jaws hit the floor. So there are a lot of theories about this. Was she serious? Is she making this up? What the fuck is going on? Dorit commented today saying, Misery loves company, and PK went on about how Erica's a stupid cow, basically, and she should stop thinking and or talking because it just gets her into trouble. Valid points, PK. So now Erica's saying it was all a joke. But if it were a joke, wouldn't she have had a different demeanor about it? You know, the way she said it, and then the way she sat down and, like, glared into the camera and said, I have nothing to lose, it just didn't seem like a JK moment. The most popular theory, which is also the most likely one, is that Erica, Dorit, and maybe even Kyle set this whole thing up to give Dorit a storyline for next season. Remember, they're getting ready to start filming in a matter of weeks, and why else would Kyle be liking all of the random social media posts about this? I also heard from a very reliable source that there have been talks within the cast about Dorit's possible firing, and even backstage at BravoCon, Dorit was heard complaining about her seating position during the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills panel, feeling like she was being pushed to the side. The only hole in this story is how could Erica possibly know what question she was going to be asked, but honestly, at this point, I wouldn't put it past them all to figure out a way. The devil works hard, but the Fox Force 5 works harder. Okay, guys, I am so excited to be welcoming Giorgio Takanakis from the Giorgio Says podcast to the Black Heart Club. Hi, Giorgio. Hi, how are you? Thanks for I having am, me. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here on the Blonde Hair Black Heart podcast. I was so excited that you agreed to come on today because you just got back from BravoCon. <laughs> Literally. No, I mean, yeah. I got back yesterday, but um, yeah, it feels like I'm still there mentally. 
Yeah. I mean, so. that's kind of how it feels for all of us. We're trying to decompress a little bit. There was so much that happened this weekend. Um, and, and I'm talking as someone who was watching it all peripherally. Like I was living vicariously through you guys. So I know you have so much to tell us. But before we get into the BravoCon of it all, you obviously are a fellow Bravoholic and a fellow podcaster. So I just wanted to know how uh, you got sucked into the Bravoverse. Like what was the first show you watched? And how did you go from being a fan to, you know, turning this into a career? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, well, I think the first show, obviously, that I watched that started all of this was a show called Desperate Housewives. Right. And my friends and I would all come together and have watch parties for it. It was a big deal, obviously. And then when Bravo and Andy came out with Real Housewives of Orange County, I was intrigued because it was like kind of like what they did with um, the OC, like the scripted show. And then they did Laguna Beach. This is like what really happens kind of right. thing. So it was kind of along that line. So that piqued my interest because I've always been enamored with like reality TV and like how that all works. And it wasn't, I, I, I was into OC, but then when Atlanta came out, I was like, oh no this is where I live. This is, this is my people. So, I mean, it's been, gosh, I'm aging myself, but it's probably been like 15 years, but I, I think re during the pandemic is when I really kind of went full force with doing the commentary and starting the podcast because there was just a lot of shifts in my life. So I was like, well, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Cause it was always like, oh, this isn't a good time. I'll do it here. I have it all up here, but it's not coming out because I'm not ready. Yeah. But I've learned and I've told other creators this that are just getting started. There's never a good time. It's like, you, you just got to do it. So yeah, that's kind of it. So my podcast is almost two years old. Um, but I think in the last eight months, I've really kind of gone full throttle. Like I keep pushing the gas pedal a little bit more and more. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's kind and of like how it all started. You're really big on social media also, specifically on TikTok. I mean, everything you post on TikTok just blows up. <laughs> Which still like throws me off, if I'm honest, because I wasn't expecting that. And then on top of it, I wasn't really sure what I was doing with TikTok at that time. I was on the app, but I was as I was just a viewer. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really understand what it could do. And I think, um, well, there was a moment right before I actually got on TikTok for real where um, I was at dinner, my partner, and there was a, an active shooter where I got stuck inside the restaurant. Oh my God. And I remember sitting under this table and I could see across from me, there was a daughter and her mom clinching to each other. And I just was like, if I get out of here, I am going to do everything that's on this list that I have that's never been a good time, never been a good time. So as soon as I left, I think like three days later, I posted my first TikTok and then wow. I was like, let me just see how this goes. And then from there, it just kind of spun out. And I honestly, like, even now, like when I post and I go back, I'm like, oh my, holy shit. Like now it's like, okay. But yeah, yeah. no, it's been an amazing experience for me. Um, yeah, TikTok is so funny because I feel like it's it's very unique uh, compared to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, which all kind of like try to copy each other. And I feel like TikTok really has remained its own unique beast. Um, mm -hmm. But it is funny because I, I recently have started posting on TikTok and I, I too am like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in my thirties. I feel like I'm too old for this, but I'll just post like 
whatever I post on Instagram, like if I make a reel, I'll just then also throw it up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And some of them get like, you know, a couple hundred views. But one morning I opened it up and there was one that has like just shy of a million views already. And I'm like, how the hell does that happen? Does that not scare you? It's terrifying. It is the I try to explain this to people and they're like, yeah, first world problems. But no, it the amount of people, one million, like even just... 5,000 views. Yeah. Imagine real life. Like if there was 5,000 people around you while you said what you were saying on that video, it just like throws me off. Yeah, absolutely. I know I I do a lot of my uh, engagement and my community building, you know, this Black Heart Club that I'm building. uh, A lot of it comes from Twitter, actually. That's kind of where I find most of my audience lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, the social media of it all, it is so important uh, you know, to drive listeners to our podcast, to get these conversations going. And it's it's really interesting. So all weekend long, obviously, I was like glued to my phone, watching all of the BravoCon stuff and trying to, you know, get my voice into it somehow, being like, I'm not even there, but like, what can I add to the conversation? Yeah. And my husband, who is like, he, he tries his best, like he'll see, like he knows, he recognizes the housewives that I like, you know, he'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I've heard you talk about them, but he really is so far from, so far removed from the Bravoverse. But he was like seeing just how engaged everyone was with BravoCon. And he was saying to me, like, this is bigger than like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the sense that like the engagement and the conversations that happen around these shows is so unprecedented. It is so unique. And and I think that's, I mean, part of it is because, you know, we've got so many different cities, there are so many different characters and we literally have, you know, three new episodes every week. There's, there's just an influx of content all the time, mm-hmm. but it also is so much about the fans and the fact that these quote unquote characters that we're watching, they are real people to us. And we we relate to them and we love them and we ride or die for them. And it's so different than someone being like, yeah, I love the Hulk. You know, it's so yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. <laughs> well, how many Hulks can you put out every well, year? There's I mean? She-Hulk now. I mean, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying to do what they can, but it is so different. And it is, the Bravoverse truly has become such a unique world and it provides such a unique worldview. And I have to say that getting to meet other people like you, it has been the ultimate joy of all of this. So I want to talk about BravoCon and getting to meet other Bravo creators, other, you know, Bravo celebrities, just all the people in this world. So talk to me about BravoCon. I want to know what was your like overall first impression of the convention? You know, I think it was done very well. I wasn't sure what to expect, honestly. I mean, I had done RuPaul's Drag Con some years back at the same, it was at Javits Center as well. And it was completely different setup, but it still worked. And it was very similar in that it was, you know, there was booths and then there was little areas and, and panels and stuff. But for this in particular, they really did a good job with the, the animation for like, you know, get to do your own intro and then you get to do the, uh, like, you get to do all these little cool, unique things that are only like Bravo related that everyone loves. Like there's just so many aspects where you could take pictures. There was a lot of sitting areas that were done very nicely. It wasn't just like couches thrown on certain areas. The bars, I thought they did a really good job with, like they had the ultimate girls trip themed bars and then they had the summer house and the winter house bars. Oh, fun. So, I mean, they did a good job, even though like 
yes, there was, there was things that happened on different days that irked people, but mm-hmm. I understood because I went on Saturday and I clearly picked the wrong day because Friday was the more lax day. That's when everyone was telling me like, cause I had FOMO, I was in New York and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go like buy a ticket off of a scalper and just go because everyone was sending me messages like other creators that were there. And it was like, oh my gosh, the lines are short. The there's, there's security's not really being like tight with if you have a VIP versus a general admission, which is great. Right. Um, well, it's great for so, the people that didn't pay for VIP. Right. But like, <laughs> if you had a general admission on a Friday, you could cut through the VIP lines. Nobody was really checking anything from yeah. what I heard. And that Bravo celebrities were more comfortable to walk the area. Whereas Saturday, well, and Friday, I think the big hiccup was the Beverly Hills panel, which everyone has talked about. But right. someone sent me a video from their point of view when they were letting them in and it did look quite scary. Yeah, I mean, it it was like like a full on stampede, like legit. I felt like we were in the Lion King. I was like screaming Mufasa, like it was scary. (laughs) Yeah. It looked scary. And I was told by multiple creators that were there that they ran the other way. I think Empire was one of them who was like, he saw people just, I mean, it was, it was as if you posted something about Rinna and Kathy and your comments went wild. Right. It was like that in real life. Totally. It was like people were going through the curtains and, and jumping over things. And um, so that was a bit of a, a hassle, I'm sure, for the people working it, as well as like the people, the power that be that put this thing together, probably like they, they tailored it back for sure. Because Saturday, there was none of that lax behavior. I mean, it wasn't like annoying. But like I said in my recap today, the photo op lines, they need to do something differently with that because it didn't allow, if you paid for VIP, which let's be clear, there's an SVIP, which is even a step, but it was like who, you don't even know what VIP is really getting you. Right. So the fact that people would spend that kind of money, there was like, I can't even tell you five or six lines I walked by just to see. The line was so long in VIP, it was almost reaching to where general admission was. And in that case, it's the same, right? Yeah. You're not getting anywhere any quicker. It's not like the fast pass when you go into like a theme park where you're like, yeah, it's a longer line, but it's not as long as the general admission. So right. you'll get there a lot quicker. This was like security was even getting to the point where people were in line. They're like, you're not even going to get to have a picture with her. Yeah. So like, if you want to stay for the next, so some people were camping out like if uh, Southern Charm was in this, like if we're in this line and Southern Charm's doing a photo op, people would be waiting because they knew Teresa was coming out in an hour. So they would stay in that line because it was long anyway. And they're like, by the time I get there, it'll be time for me to get my photo op. But if you were trying to get as much of that out of it, which a lot of the reason why people go is to get pictures with their favorite Bravo celebrities. Right. It was not working out. So I felt bad because there was so many people that were just like complaining that were like, why did we spend all this money? We can't even get pictures with people or you have to wait by these weird doors where they come out, you know, from their rooms. But it's like, who wants to chase people down? Yeah. You're at an event to see these people, you know? So that was the only thing I thought was a con. Yeah. I heard a lot about the photo op lines and it's difficult because it is so hard for them, you know, being Bravo to gauge like who's going to have the longest line and and how many people are going to show up for this person. I also heard there were a lot of 
Bravo Lebs that kind of cut their photo op short and only showed up for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And obviously at that point, you're only going to get to see 10 people. So mm-hmm. that that definitely needs to be worked on. But it did seem like despite uh, maybe the missed photo opportunities in, in that regard, there were still a lot of moments where you would just be walking and, and brush shoulders with someone and just be able to turn and talk to them and take a picture. And that to me seems so much better and cooler than waiting in a line for 45 minutes to take a staged photo. Like I would much rather be bumping elbows with these people. So I want to know, name some of the Bravo Lebs that you were just like kind of bumping into and, and that you saw while you were there. Um, Candy, who was absolutely the sweetest. And she is really, really, really awesome to her fans. Like there was a lot of people wanting to take pictures with her and her security. Cause I was literally standing next to her cause she was standing behind this like rope. And then her security or the security that they were provided with was like, no, we've got to go now. Like because they're on a tight schedule, I get it. Yeah. But she was like, no, 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 no. They were waiting for a while. I want to make sure I get everyone here at least. Like she was just very, you can tell why she's so successful. She knows she's aware of what's going on around her and she's not distracted by the screaming and everyone in her face. She stayed focused, but she was lovely. Um, I did, I didn't get to speak to her, but uh Giselle was very lovely. Like she was happy to be there. She really was like, you could tell, like, she was just like, this is, this is where I should be kind of right. like vibe. Um, I ran into Countess Luann outside cause she was wow. late for her segment. And so there's a picture of me walking with her. It looks like I'm walking with her to guide her to her room, but it's not, we were just walking back the same direction. So that was fun. She was wearing that. sneakers and she had to hurry up cause she wanted to change into her shoes. So that was funny. Gosh, who else? There were so many people. Um, Kyle walked by us a few times, but that was like an impot. Like Kyle was like, you couldn't get around her circle of people. <laughs> she was, you would just hear screaming and you'd see this like short cutie patootie with the hair. Okay. And then like that was, but I didn't, I did, I didn't see Heather in person. Like I saw her in person, but I didn't bump into her because I was gonna go up to her and make a joke about. Like, how are you doing? Because my right. daughter had just yes. come out and like stitched my video. Yeah. But she ended up doing a couple panels. I didn't really see her all too much, but there was a moment Kenya came out, but I think Kenya was running a little late. Actually, I don't know what's going on with Kenya because I saw another post where she was with some one of the fans and he must have said something endearing to her because she got very emotional. So I yeah. feel like she was kind of dealing with some stuff because she was kind of late to her booth and there was people that were a little annoyed. But all in all, it was great. Um, Cynthia was amazing. I went to a panel that she did with Chef Stuart O'Keefe and Amy Phillips where they were doing cooking. She was sweet. She came right to the edge of the stage. She chatted with people. She was not like pushy about stuff. She's also going through stuff too, which I think she did a really good job of not making that part of her thing there. Cause I was kind of worried for her a little yeah. bit. Cause I was like, are they going to turn every question about this whole like separation from Mike? Um, but they didn't. So and I don't know if maybe her people probably were like, let's lay off of that right now. But yeah. she was awesome. Everyone there honestly was great. Dorinda was awesome. She sat at her booth by herself. I think there was one security guy. And of course, everyone was like dying to get behind there. And she was lovely. She hung out with people. She was chatting with people. It was nice. I mean, everybody there didn't, they never, like you never can tell with some of them, but most of the people there felt 
humble enough to be with the masses as they yeah. say like they didn't feel like oh okay like let's get this out of my way or no I'm not ready for pictures but um no it was super positive even the people working the event I have to say even by the end of the day they were nice as can be and I would I don't know if I would be right <laughs> Totally, totally. So that's actually something I wanted to touch on a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Kenya, and we've all seen that video now where a, a fan says something to her, uh, assumingly, you know, a kind word, something about how much he appreciates her, and she kind of breaks down a little bit. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, interesting to think of, you know, what emotions are going on with the housewives during all of this, because obviously, from a fan's perspective, yeah, it's all super overwhelming, but like you're still uh, a spectator. You're still kind of like one of the masses. And I have to imagine that for a lot of these housewives, this must have been the first time they've ever experienced anything like this. I mean, like we talked about Candy. Candy's a pro. She's been doing events with, with massive crowds for decades. But for mm -hmm. a lot of these housewives, this is probably the first time they've ever really been bombarded by fans before. Um, so it is really interesting to to see those moments and see them, you know, be be humanized kind of and, and uh, really recognize their place in this Bravo verse beyond just like through a TV screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, when we were, um, we stayed just really close to Javits Center to make things easier. And there was obviously people were trying to figure out what was going on, like the people that just live around the area. Yeah. And there was a woman that was just like, I just don't get it. Like, what is it about like the Bravo sphere that everyone, you're coming to a like Bravo con for God's sakes. Like it's, right. it's pretty deep. And I, I always say this when people ask me the question, like, what is it about that genre of reality TV versus any of the other ones that is just sucking people in so much. And I think quite honestly, and I can only speak for myself, every single woman in franchise, there's always a moment that is real that you connect to and you can stop and say, can I cuss on here? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, that could be me. Let me take notes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even if you don't 100%. think it's in the forefront, you're like this, you're seeing people's lives unfold. And yes, I get that there's produced storylines versus like authentic, but all in all, these women are actually going through what they're going through. They may exaggerate certain elements or they may play it up, but that's what reality TV is for. Yeah. That's yeah. entertainment. But- you know, there's a lot of learning that you can get out of watching these shows, strategically speaking, like how you build alliances with maybe someone you don't really care for, but maybe yeah. in your sphere, it's best to be, um, you know, aligned with this person on some level or just like the snappy back and forths. Like you just get quicker and you start to pick up on people's behavior a little bit more. I always totally. say like it's turning us into little psychologists. 100% or so like we're, we're, we're all basically like anthropologists at this point. Like we really <laughs> are watching like these different little communities, uh, like thrive and, or, or not thrive or whatever it is that they're going to do. And we're, and, um, you know, you touched on earlier when you were getting into Bravo, how you started with the OC, but it wasn't really until you found like your special niche in the Bravo verse, which was Atlanta, um, that you kind of got sucked in. And I think that's such an important piece of it is that there really is 
there's not only a show for everyone, but there's a housewife for everyone. There, I mean, there literally are hundreds at this point. Um, so yeah, there's so there's so much that we can learn and gain from them, both the positive things, what what to take from these wives, the negative things, what what to leave with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I always I always like to think that it's much more than just, you know, bitches squawking at each other. There's, there's a lot more to that. And I think that people that get it, get it, you know? Totally. I mean, honestly, if it was just the squawking, it wouldn't be here 16 years later. Honestly, I don't think it could because I think people would just get over it and be like, okay, it's the same old, same old, but it is, it's an important time for Bravo and Housewives. Like I can just feel it. Like being there, I was like, they are just skimming the surface. Like I feel like it's going to explode even more, even though some people are like, how could it explode even more? But it has. I mean, just watching the Salt Lake City ladies, who I believe this was their first, I don't know if they went to the one in 2019. No. So 2019 was when when their show was announced officially. Oh, right. So then they weren't there, but to watch them with just being in season three. Wow, like the amount of change that happens from being on a show like that, even Salt Lake City, who's still a baby and, you know, within all the franchises, it's it's making its way up there. Like I even said before BravoCon, I saw a segment on The View where they bring up Jen Shaw. It's on The View. It's like, it's something to talk about. And so I think more and more, you're starting to see Real Housewives pop into these other outlets of entertainment news. And it's nice because for so long, you know, we were like deemed like the nerds of like Bravo. Like we watch Housewives, we dissect it. We're like fanatical. But then to see like bigger outlets start to cover some of these bigger stories like Erica Jane or the Jen Shaw stuff, it brings more light. I know like it's not good publicity, (laughs) but it's publicity nonetheless. Hey, I mean- all good press or all press is good press. And that's clearly the mantra that Erica Jane and Lisa Rinna are subscribing to. So oh, 1000%. She <laughs> couldn't even like the whole vibe with Lisa Rinna, by the way, at Bravo oh, was she loved the, even the hate, the booing. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she thrives on that because in her mind, you haven't forgotten me, baby. Exactly. And that's how she's always been. She's always hustled. I think Someone else said this really well about Rinna. I'm not a fan of her this past season, obviously, as I'm sure a lot of people aren't, but I loved Rinna. Like I was a big Melrose Place fan. I loved her. I was excited. She was coming on season five. Like she did on Melrose Place. She joined season five. So it was like this big thing. Wow, I never knew that. The parallels. Yeah, it's like a huge (laughs) thing. And she like, she really brought a lot to Beverly Hills at that time because it was kind of more... I mean, it was like sassy and stuff, but there wasn't a lot of like passion. Mm -hmm. She brought like passionate opinions and yeah, she was controversial, but she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's very, very on top of that. And she knows what she looks like. She knows what people are saying. She knows what people are probably going to say when she does something. So she's very calculated and strategic. And I think people love to hate her and she knows that. So, you know, absolutely. And it's, it's just as much fun to hate as it is to love when when you're dealing with these shows. 
So oh, yeah. we, we need our Rinna's. I, you know, I hate to say it. I also haven't loved her this season. And, and that's not to say that the show couldn't go on without her, but we need those types of characters. Every, mm-hmm. every city needs their, their polarizing figures, their villains, so to speak. Um, and yeah, she is, she's good at it. That's for sure. <laughs> she is. I mean, listen, she's been in this business for a very, very long time. So I understand why this this position for her is really important. I mean, no shade to her, but like this has been the most steady work she's had in a very, very long time. And the paycheck's nice. So yeah, I get it. I do. I mean, even Denise Richards is is aching to come back for that reason. I mean, it it really does provide these actresses who are coming on the show now, and you know, there's a handful of them. It gives them a, a whole second wind in their career. Like even even Garcelle, I don't think she's ever been as famous as she is right now. And that's not to take away from her career. She's worked forever and she's had a great career. Um I mean, she also is part of the Marvel universe, but this is her moment and not just in the Bravoverse, but like all over the place. So it it's such a huge platform for these women. And uh, I mean, I, I get it. If I was cast on this show and I started being uh, edited into the villain, I'd probably lean into that too, you know? You know what? I always say this, like I've always been this way, like reality TV when I do get on it, because I'm manifesting, yes. when I get on it, I hopefully will trust my producer enough that if he steered me in that direction and said, this would be good for the show. And I know you could do that. I would be professional and say, okay, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? But I think I would try to hold on. Like, I like how Garcelle does it because Garcelle is doing what her producer's asking her to do. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, right. Cause she'll just jump right into yes. it and be like, so like what happened with that right you know situation what you know doesn't hold back and gets right into it like i feel like that's me whereas rena's more like she comes at it from an angle of like care like i'm worried about you yeah. or this is concerning but it's still like you're just trying to get in there yeah but you know what honestly we have kenya from atlanta who is the villain of that show right but when you watch ultimate girls trip like that changed my whole di- like view of Kenya. And I actually like, not that I didn't like her before, but I grew to like her much more because I was like, wow, she's so multifaceted that right. we're only getting a glimpse of this one part of her personality in these elements. It's not totally. the full 360, which I totally. feel is the same for all of the ladies. They know their lane and they just, it's not broken. Why fix it? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I also think, you know, the important part for some of these villains is that their their villainess qualities are really only playing out on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue with Rinna is that she's now become not only a villain to the other ladies on the show, but she's like a villain to the fan base. Like she, she like comes at the fans too. Yeah. Um, so that I think is where it like becomes a little bit tricky and where you start seeing things like you know her getting booed at BravoCon. you know kenya's not getting booed there's a reason for that <laughs> i think because well dare i say she came for the beloved kathy right. which if i could say this it was kathy's bravo con i literally ha- i literally have a note here that says it was it was kathy's weekend like she she 
she wasn't even at every single thing and people were just like I know her name was on everyone's mouth and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you caught the legends ball but yes like, the chanting of the Kathy like I know and then the look Rena's on Rena's face. face I know I was like oh I the tension in that room I could just feel it through the screen well, and what must suck for Rena and this is her own fault but it's like at least half of the love for Kathy comes from a hate for Rinna, you know, like that's why people love Kathy so much is because mm -hmm. she like she didn't take Rinna's shit. It's not that Kathy in and of herself is some amazing housewife by any means. Like, yeah, she's funny and and she would definitely have her fans. But like had Rinna not gunned for her so hard and had Kathy not held her own, you know, in this reunion that like we saw in the in the trailer, um, I don't think we would have been we would have had the Kathy chance like we did. So Thanks, Rena. <laughs> yeah, no, and that I'm sorry, but that reunion trailer, like, I had goosebumps. Oh I don't, my god! I know I'm a weirdo for this, but I watched it like 30 times over because I was like, "Is this Kathy getting in the mix like this?" Because you know, I've known Kathy as Paris's mom, who's been very prim, proper. She speaks very well. She doesn't yell. You don't hear her doing those things. So when she's going at Rena like that, it was like this moment of like, "Oh, she's in there." Yeah. And then when she's at BravoCon, for her to come out and be like, I don't know why I apologized to her, which I is know. frustrating because I don't have anything to apologize for. And, you know, she's like, I might be hunky dory, but if you want to play, I'll play. Yeah. So I feel like she, the only thing is with Kathy, I don't know if Rena stays, if she'll come back next. Because she alluded to the fact that if it's going to stay the way it is, she's not interested. And I get that because. I do too. And if you had asked me last week, I would have said, Rinna's not going anywhere. Bravo is not going to let her go. Look at the ratings. You know, she she is a driving force in that. However, when, when you saw what happened at BravoCon and you could literally hear the fan reaction to, to Rinna, to her adversary, Kathy, and then you have Kathy on the red carpet saying, I'm not going to come back if Rinna's going to be there. If I'm a Bravo exec, I'm taking all of that into account and I'm thinking, okay, who are we bringing back? The the woman who got booed or the woman who had everyone chanting her name, you know, begging to do a conga line with her all weekend. Like I'm going with Kathy, you know? I agree. And listen, the, the, I'm sure they were all taking notes that whole weekend because it's also a good time to see what's really going on. There was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, obviously with the Jennifer Aiden, Joe Gorga, Melissa yes. situation, which her social, Jennifer's social media manager thankfully came out and, and clarified where that came from. Because initially when I posted that video, I was like, what is wrong with her? What? Like you're at the Gans Award, like calm down guys. Right. Like we're not even filming. But then when you hear what happened, you're like, oh, well that's messed up. Like you guys were basically heckling her to get a reaction. So yeah. And I know a lot of people on TikTok were mad because they were like, why are you defending Jennifer? And it's like, I defend what I think is right in the moment. I've called Jennifer out. I've called Rena out. I've called Kathy out. Like, I don't, I don't take sides and I don't like to. And I try to stay separate from me as the fan. So like when I'm watching by myself and it has nothing to do with Giorgio says, yes, I'll have my own opinion and my favorites and all that. But I feel like when you're on this platform, you have to, you have to give it to everyone equally. Totally. Because in my mind, you want to be like, my thought is I want to think like a producer and sometimes your producer is not happy with you and doesn't mm -hmm. like the way you're behaving or sometimes they love how you're behaving. And so there's this back and forth, like with Sutton and, and Garcelle, like people think that they're untouchable. I don't believe that. Right. I believe they all, like, I do believe that Garcelle will probably have it 
thrown at her at some point. You know what I mean? Because it does work its way around. Oh, totally. The narrative is based off of editing. So imagine the things that we haven't seen. Like when they show us the never before scenes. Oh yeah, it changes why everything. Why did you take this out? Honestly, it changes everything. And it and change my opinion just like that. Totally. And I think that that's a really important thing to, to note is like, as fans of this Bravo-verse, like, like we said, it's ever-changing. There's new episodes every week. Every season brings different dynamics. I mean, like, for example, if you're a fan of Salt Lake City and you're going to ride or die by bad weather, what are you doing right now? Like, you're, you've literally screwed yourself because now what do you do? You have to be willing to roll with the punches and you cannot be blindly supportive of anyone because they are human. They are going to make mistakes. And if you love someone this week, you might hate them next week and that's okay. Um, I, I just like you, you know, if I tweet something negative about Erica Jane, for example, you know, everyone is responding, well, that's just because you're obsessed with Sutton. But then I've said things about Sutton, you know, I've said (laughs) things about Sutton and then people comment back and it's like, well, that's just because you like love blah, blah, blah. And it just goes on and on. It's like, no, it's just because I have opinions, you know? (laughs) And sometimes when you, you get a different response when you say it with conviction, like if something really triggered, like sometimes I've made posts where I'm like, I look back, I'm like, damn, that was a little bit aggressive but like sometimes you just gotta you gotta you gotta say it with conviction like no this isn't wrong in this situation if you took these two people out of it and put two different people you all would agree that this is not okay yes but sometimes people have the veil pulled over their eyes because they love who they love and that's fine yeah but like with the Rena and kathy stuff it was really odd it is very odd to see that people that are diehard for Rena will not but like they won't even say yes i see that that was wrong or i can understand why that is troubling in terms of behavior it's like right. no, no no kathy's not who she says she is and Rena's always telling the truth and it's like well hold on no she hasn't always said the truth yeah. because she's called herself out on the show even. Totally. look at sauce. harry hamlin's sauce yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Harry doesn't I, get involved in these things yeah i had someone like tear me apart just last week over Lisa Rinna, I'm, I, someone had posted something, um, asking like, how, like, how do you guys, like, do you really think that Rinna saying that she was going to get cancer was like that big of a deal, blah, blah, blah. And I responded and, and I was just like, it was in poor taste. It was definitely in poor taste, which I think is a fair thing to say. And mm-hmm. The person responded to me and and literally was like, I'm so sick of this fake outrage. Like all you do is pander for likes and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all that over in poor taste. Like I didn't call her a dumb bitch. I didn't say she was going to hell. I literally just said it was in poor taste, you know, and people lose their shit rather than recognize like, yeah, I love her, but she had a a human moment and it wasn't great. Totally. And that's the thing. And I feel like I saw that post. This is what scares me about Twitter and hats off to you and everyone else out there in Twitter world, because I go in there for like 10 minutes. I scroll and I see the nastiest toxic comments under like, like other creators posts for not even saying anything controversial, by the way, they're just like, Hey, this is what's going on. They're like, why are you on here? You're still here. And it's just like, what is going on on Twitter? Yeah. It's a fucking, it's a minefield. It's terrifying. It's horrible. If you've got like triggering mental health issues, I can say that because they don't hold back on Twitter. People say the nastiest things. Someone told, someone told me I looked like I was on meth and I was like, no, I just have IBS. Like, sorry. (laughs) Why is that even a thing? Like how I can never, not that I think those things, because if I don't like something a creator says, I just keep scrolling. I don't right. even comment anything negative. Right. 
because it's just a waste of my time. Like, clearly you see it this way. I don't. Me telling you, no, that's not how I see it. It's not going to make you turn around and be like, you know what? Yeah. Let me re-edit this. Exactly. So I don't know. And you know what? With Erica Jane, when she launched her Pretty Mess Hair and I... I didn't even know I was doing an expose, but it took off like wildfire. I got so much hate mail from the Erica Jane fans. You're trying to ruin a woman's business. You don't want her to be successful. And I was like, that's not what I said at all. I'm pointing out that whoever's helping her manage this is shitty at it because they didn't do their homework. It's as If it's as easy for me to go reverse Google search where these images came from to go find the source of where the hair is coming from at a third of the price, why would anybody do that? Right. So yeah. and it, it always it's also, backfires. It's also par for the course. I mean, <laughs> no one is getting a free pass. Look at She by Sheree. Look at, I mean, and any housewife business that comes out is scrutinized. Um, so you do have to do your due diligence. And and even not referring to their business endeavors, but just like them as people, I think it's so stupid, frankly, when when we tear each other apart over our opinions about one housewife, because like I said, there are hundreds at this point. Um, the, the odds of us agreeing on even like a dozen of them are really slim. So let's just have some fun with it. Like we're never going to agree on all of them. We, we might agree on some and that's great, but, but like, why are we going to tear our heads apart over th- these women fighting when like, that's the point they're like, the whole point is for them to go at it, you know? I have to say, I think the weirdest part of all of this is when I see other creators shading other creators in the same space over an opinion or trying to be more, no, I have the real facts and, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's, there's one or two that I have on a list mentally that I'm like, stay away from them because I want you to name the names so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not because I just. Some, you have no idea. There was one time I posted on my Instagram story and I never write about other content creators. I didn't name them, but it was clear that this person was trying to prove that they were the Diane Sawyer of this space. Right. And you know what? Good for you. Great. I'm not Diane Sawyer for Bravo. I'm trying to make things entertaining to allow for people to take the information in. I'm not here to do a Dateline special on every single topic, but everyone has their space. And it just, sometimes you feel like instead of certain creators being supportive, they almost are like shading you without using, they're not at, what is it on? What do they say? Sub subtweeting without using your handle pretty much. And you know who they're referring to, but it's just sad to me because it's like, this is, this is our space. Like, why would you, who cares? Yep. Like, do you think that all the people that go on CNN or all these political uh, news shows, they don't all agree with each other, but they can go have a drink afterwards and understand that they're both in the same race, right? Right. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, if this person's opinion differs from this, we can still respect each other's. And it's a viewpoint at the end of the day is what I'm trying to say. There's yeah. no right definitive or wrong definitive like oh this was actually it's not a murder case it's not exactly it's it's challenged in so many different ways that you can't you can't unless it's like a legal case you can't no totally because there are so few storylines across the the bravo verse that are 
based in fact rather than emotion and opinions. I mean, the vast majority of these conflicts that the women find themselves in are matters of opinion. And so when mm-hmm. we agree or disagree with them, it's going to be based on our opinion. You know, there's there's only so many instances of like, this is a this is black and white. This is a fact like, yes, Brooks did not have cancer. Like that is a fact, <laughs> but most of the rest of the storylines are are very nuanced and mm-hmm. there is no right or wrong. And that's why the housewives don't really ever come to that conclusion. So how can we expect to come to that conclusion? You know. And also what if they did come to the conclusion they're just editing it out because they got to keep storylines going. So that's the other thing too. It's like, I think for me too, I, before I jumped out and started commenting on these things and doing all that, I have- friends that are working on different franchises as producers. And so you get a different side of things where it's like, it's not always the way it comes off. Sometimes it really is a storyline and it's got to see its way through. And so for the viewer who's just watching and that's it, I get it. I get why they're like, but that's not what we saw. Or, you know, like I got tons of comments. Where's this footage from Aspen that we've been waiting all season for? And I've had to be like, no, we've said from the very beginning, there was no footage of that night. That was what was going to be rocky. And if they would even include it, because it's like, usually they don't show things or they don't talk about things that we can't as viewers see. So Yeah. And unfortunately, though, as social media has started to become its own player in all of these shows, uh, that becomes more difficult. Like in in older seasons, we really didn't have that fourth wall breaking, but we're seeing it a lot now. And it is extremely frustrating. Like we see it right now on Beverly Hills. It was a big thing last season on Orange County. You know, like did Heather murder a producer or did she not murder a producer? Ah, we'll never know. And it's just like so ridiculous because there, there will, we, we literally will never know. Um, I mean, we know that she didn't do that, but it's, it's hard when you're not seeing those things play out. It's also really interesting what you touched on, like, you know, at the end of the day, this is a show or they, these are shows, these women are working, they're doing a job. And I think that there are some who very firmly believe and subscribe to this mindset that like, well, this is just my life and I'm just going to go about my life and the cameras are going to be there and pick up what they, what they will. And that's that. But a lot of them really do recognize like, this is a job and we're making a show and I am, I am working here. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, it always comes, it all comes all roads lead back to Heather Dubrow for me. She's like my, my number one, but you know, I recall last season, she talked about how uh, the day before they started filming, she like ran into Gina and Emily and Shannon out at Javier's. And she was like, I can't talk to you guys because there aren't cameras here. Like I need to leave now because this needs to be on camera. And I remember thinking like, oh, what a pro, like literally yeah, the, the utmost professional. But that to me is something to note. Like, yeah, when they met the next day, like it, it wasn't the most authentic thing ever, but they're making a show and they recognize it and they're working. And had she sat down and kikied with these girls the night before and it wasn't on camera and then came back the next day and pretended to meet them, that would have been even worse. So like, we've got to take all of it for what it is. Some of it is reality, some of it is produced, but it's all amazing. <laughs> well, to your point though, about that whole, like them meeting on camera and it wasn't the most authentic, we have to also remember that when you're filming a conversation, there's times where you, those women have to go back and repeat everything that they oh, just totally. went off about. So that's not authentic. But yeah. the things they're talking about 
are. And I think that's where, I think once people realize that that's the distinction, it's not so much, there's not a producer like, okay, Heather, today you're going to go meet with Gina and Emily. So this is what you're going to say to her. Right. And hopefully that will get her to talk about this. It's not like that. I think they just have conversations with their producers and their producers put them in situations where they have to deal with it. I mean, that's the other beauty to these shows. It shows you conflict and resolution. So for someone who, I just had a, a follower last week, actually sent me a DM that was like, I know it's going to sound weird, but I used to have a really big problem with confrontation. Like I didn't want to deal with things head on. I hated it. But after watching Housewives, it's made me more comfortable because it's like, well, these women are being put in situations where they, they in normal life, they wouldn't, you right. know what I mean? Like they wouldn't go towards that person, but on the show you have to. So it kind of forces you to look at yourself and wait, am I, would I be comfortable in this situation? If I didn't like this person, would I go to lunch with them and give it another shot? I don't know. But if yeah. I was being paid to, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, speaking of being put in uncomfortable situations where you're forced to deal with these issues, there were a lot of beefs squashed at BravoCon. There were also a lot of beefs le left to simmer. Uh, what was what was one of your favorite housewife feuds that came to a head over the weekend? We saw a bunch of them. I mean, I'm, I'm such a like, maybe because I have family in New Jersey, but New Jersey has a sweet spot in my heart. And the whole Caroline and Teresa, like the only thing they could agree on was like, this is not going in any positive direction. Yes. Yes. And it was the realest, probably like feud that we could actually like bring up now. And they're still, they're still ongoing. Like they're never going to speak to each other at this never. point, like never. ever. And she, they're both fine with it. Yeah, I actually was surprised that Caroline was there. And I think it speaks to her her legendary status as a New Jersey housewife because she is, to me at least, she's so far removed from that world now. So the fact that she was brought back um, for BravoCon, seemingly just to kind of hype up this, this feud, but like, man, she is still on people's minds for sure. Well, she was on us. She did the segment with Chef Stuart O'Keefe and Amy Phillips. And there was a ton of people that were like gassing everyone up there to like give her her show. Like they want her to do her own thing or come back to Bravo in some capacity. So, I mean, if she wasn't interested, it feels like she could be interested in it. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like she would have gone if it wasn't like a slight doorway open for her right. to come back in some way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what did you think about Vicki Gumbelson taking on Ashley Darby and Kenya Moore and Teresa Judice and like a bunch of them all at once? <laughs> well, you know what? I don't expect anything less from Vicki and especially <laughs> after watching Ultimate Girls Trip, right. Bluestone Manor, it was very clear that she doesn't care who you are, she's going to say it like it is. I will say this, there was a lot of rumblings that she was in a pissy mood because it was like kind of, I mean, she was there. So some would say like, well, you're here. So it's not yeah. like you're completely cut out, but there was, you could tell that there was some sort of like trigger for her yeah. being there because she's not actually on any of the shows. Yeah. Um, but I think she's, she's going to be on OC. Yes. So that's a good foot in. I mean, they're yeah. letting her kind of come back in little by little. I think they just honestly, they need it. I think honestly, Bravo just couldn't deal with her ego anymore. Yeah. It is out of control as we could see play out on Ultimate Girls Trip. Yeah. Even but watching her on this panel, 
yeah. speaking with with <laughs> like you know the other women who had you know uh, beef to squash. She she doesn't hear it. She doesn't listen to anyone. She's not going to ever take responsibility. She really doesn't care, um, and she can't even like fake it and fake a smile. And I think that that is what does her a disservice. You know, I think if she were a team player and I think if she were able to like, even, even Tamara, when she got fired, you know, she didn't bad mouth Bravo. She never bad mouthed the show. She didn't talk about how the show was nothing without her. She kind of just went on with her life and it served her well. Um, Vicky, I think, unfortunately, like I, I, I don't think unless she had a huge attitude shift that she would be brought back in any sort of full capacity. I mean, would you want to be her producer? I don't, wouldn't even want to be her friend. I want, I don't want to be her kid. I don't want to be her insurance client. I don't want to be anything to Vicki Gumbelson. Well, I'll say this. I'll take Vicki back as long as we don't get Teddy back. Oh, okay. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I don't know why, but I still listen to two T's. Um, and, and I, I don't like Teddy, but I recognize that she has, you know, a special insight that a lot of people don't have. So I, you know, I I think that there's value to her show in a way. Um, but she did say, uh, in one of her podcast episodes from over the weekend that, that she saw Vicky and Vicky was just like crying the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Brandy even said too, like when she was being interviewed that this is, this is rough for her. You know what I mean? But that's the thing. I think because she wants it so badly, it's not going to come her direct. Like she almost has to let it go. Right. And I think that's kind of what I meant about like Tamara. Tamara just seemed to, you know, obviously Tamara wanted back on the show. And and during that time before Tamara joined the two T's in a pod podcast, Tamara and I used to be buddies and we would talk a lot. And she, she definitely had feelings about it, but she wasn't publicly vocal about them. And she wasn't going around bad mouthing the show saying that like, it would, it would be nothing without her in the way that Vicky did and still does. And especially now with, you know, these two heavy hitters coming back, Heather Dubrow and now Tamara Judge, it it seems even more so now than ever before, like pure jealousy. Like you can't really claim that the show is in desperate need of you anymore. Like we've got we've got Tamara, Shannon, and Heather. Like the three of them are good. Yes, mm-hmm. there's there there could be a place for you, Vicky, but it's not the Vicky show, whether you want to admit it or not. No, I agree. I mean, I think that is part of Vicky's, but see, from Vicky's point of view, she's the reason why they're all sitting there. Yeah. And Every she has last to one let of them. Go of that. Every last really one of them. Does. And not just the housewives. She thinks she's responsible for Vanderpump Rules, Southern Charm, Below of Deck, course. Shaws of Sunset. She invented the gay shark in her mind. Like all of it is is she is the OG of everything. And yeah. that that is that attitude is no longer serving her. It used to be like, fuck yeah, Vicky, you're the OG. And now it's like mm-hmm. Vicky, come on. Well, I think it all got to her. I think the success, everything just got to her. And I think she doesn't have a humble spirit. Um, so it makes it challenging for people to want to be like, yeah, come on back. Cause it's like, I feel like if they did, she'd be like, yeah, that's what I thought. See, right. yeah. now exactly. watch the show get better. And it's but like, I, but no. then I also feel like she wouldn't, I feel like she would get hired back and then she'd be like, well, I don't need to do anything because like, I'm this, you guys needed me so much. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I feel like she's, she's not that, utmost professional like we talked about you know that's going to come in and be like all right i'm here i'm going to give it everything i got i feel like she would just be like well eh, you know i'm here that's no, all i'm you here get. yeah that's this is enough me right. sitting at the table with them is enough i mean we saw a little bit of that ultimate girls trip too where she was just like yeah. so what time is this over right 
How long where, are we filming? Where's this? Home Goods? She wanted yeah. to know. <laughs> Hello, you guys are going to be filming for a while. Like, it's just, it, I can imagine, I can only imagine what her last season was like with yeah. her producer. Yeah. So we got a lot of special announcements at BravoCon. You know, we heard about the new Roni cast. Um, we saw the trailers for the upcoming season of uh, Ultimate Girls Trip 3 and Real Housewives of Miami. Um, so with all of these things swirling around, like, what are you most hyped about? Like, what are you looking forward to as we move forward? That's really hard because they dropped like some real good nuggets. Yeah, I mean, we, we heard a little bit. We heard a little bit about like what's going on in New Jersey. Um, I thought the Real Housewives of Orange County panel was really interesting because that that this season of Orange County has been super hush hush. So I feel like we mm -hmm. finally got some inklings into that. Yeah, no, I think for me, I I'm real like I love Miami. I'm so happy it's back. Um, and seeing that trailer, I obviously knew that most of the season was going to center around Lisa and her divorce and that whole scandal. Yeah. But finding out all these other little storylines that are going on is really interesting too. But I have to say, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to be as excited for Ultimate Girls Trip 3 Thailand. But then I saw the trailer and I was oh like, my God. oh, this is gold. Pure comedy. Like literally the juxtaposition from the Miami trailer, which to me was like all tragedy to oh, the girls course. trip trailer, which was pure comedy. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Bravo gives us everything we need. Every little morsel to keep us satisfied. Whether you want to cry, whether you want to laugh, whether you want to scream, like whatever it is, we, we get it. Totally. No, that's what I love. That is what I love about Broadway. You could go from one franchise and be like in the darkest hole and then go to another franchise and be laughing your ass off the yeah. entire episode. That's and that's what I love. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like bipolar, I guess, in, in that way. But it's good because it like shows the variety of all the different franchises. They're not all the same. Like right. people think there's a formula and they all stick to it. I think they work the formula that works best for their franchise, honestly, like some franchises get away with more than others do, if I'm yeah. honest, but it works nonetheless. Like, it's not like, like you wouldn't necessarily want to see too much of what they do on Salt Lake in OC. I feel like that wouldn't, right. It just doesn't fit the vibe of OC. So it, like, I'd like that they stay true to the environment that yeah. these ladies are in. Um, but like, I think like Potomac's really on fire. Yes. I'm a little confused with like the people not really caring too much about like what's going on. I know we're only on episode two, but there's just so much good stuff going on. It's just like people are slower to certain franchises, even yeah. still like Salt Lake City or Potomac. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. I'm excited that there's going to be more stuff coming our way for like the winter and like, not that we ever don't have enough content <laughs> like it feels like with beverly hills there's no other show on it, that's like so true beverly hills <laughs> it's so true and i've and i've found that like even when i'm like hate watching it even when i'm so angry at everything that's going on i'm like it is consuming my podcast like all of my instagram posts are all about beverly hills and then i find myself being like like getting mad and being like i'm being prejudiced against like all of the other amazing cities that are out there like why am i not posting about salt lake city so Same. i'm I, I'm happy to say farewell to Beverly Hills for a little bit and, um, you know, get some, some new vibes up in here for sure. Well, they're going to start filming in November. 
So they're going to do another one of these quick turnarounds because yeah. I have a feeling, I don't know. I honestly feel like Kathy might be saying that she's not going to stay if the current cast is there. But after this weekend, I don't see how she could turn if, it down. If I were in front of, you know, 2000 people chanting my name, there's no way I would be turning away from that. I, I would, would have second like, thoughts. I would. Hell yeah. Was- Sign oh. me up for a five year contract. Like I want more of this. I mean, I mean, just we're such a sub tier, but at BravoCon, there was like, you know, a good amount of people that obviously recognize you from social media, but you know, I don't go into big spaces where there's that many fans where that would even happen to me. So I was like, can only imagine what that's doing for you up there on stage when the whole audience is chanting your name for no reason. Yeah, literally no reason at all. Just because there was nothing said. She just sat and she was introduced and they were just like going off. So it's just like, I can't imagine she got off that was like, yeah, I'm not doing this again. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Giorgio, this was so fun. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me all about BravoCon. Like I said, I was living vicariously through all of your posts over the weekend and everyone else's posts. So now I feel like I, you know, got to be there a little bit more. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And you'll have to come on my podcast next. I would love to. And can you tell all of my listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can hear your podcast? Yeah. So um, my podcast, Giorgio Says, is on all platforms where you can get your podcast. And then on Instagram, it's at Giorgio Says um, is my official uh, Instagram for that. But my personal one, which I do share a lot of Housewives content, is at Giorgio, not Armani. And then on TikTok, I'm at Giorgio Says. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, we will definitely talk again soon. Yes, for sure. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. If you want to be a part of the Black Heart Club, make sure to follow me on social media at Blonde Hair Black Heart. Go visit my website, blondehairblackheart.com, and sign up for my newsletter so you never miss an episode. And go give me a five-star rating or review, because if you don't, you're not a part of the club. And if you're not a part of the club, what are you doing?